0: Grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's stand and greet one another. We welcome you on this Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday, Sunday to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're a visitor today. We're glad that you're here with us. Um, on, on each pew at the center aisle, there's a friendship pad. We'd love to have you fill it out, let us, us know that you're here today, and then pass it down the row and back to the center so everybody can fill it out helps us to know that there is an announcement sheet that is the connections inside of the bulletin you'll see that there is a Molokai bake sale today on the patio to help support our students and their mission trip during spring break you'll hear more about their mission trip in just a few minutes also we are there is a blue envelope in your bulletin because we are receiving the one great hour of sharing annual offering today that goes to support disaster relief in addition to our regular Sunday morning offering those of you who had your picture taken for the church photo directory way back in October or in summer they are here and if you didn't get it last week if your picture's in it or if you're a new member for the last two years you get a free one out there on the patio there's one with your name on it and if you aren't in one of those categories you can buy one for ten dollars which is what the company charges us for them so make sure you get one and you can figure out who all the people are in this congregation we have a grief support group that happens each spring that will begin the day after easter it's six weeks and usually people find it to be extremely helpful also our third friday clippers is doing an evening in Par- an evening in paris april in paris This month, it will be an evening of music, and you are all invited. You can sign up for that today on the patio, too. And a new adult ed series will begin the Sunday after Easter. It will be a series of six weeks talking about how we respond to God's mercy. It is a companion piece to the Sunday morning sermons on the Book of Romans, and so it will be complementing that. But it will begin the week after Easter, so it's kind of hard to keep all of that in mind. There will also be a new members class for those of you who have been thinking about joining as a member of our congregation, and that will be April 19th. There will be a congregational meeting also the Sunday after Easter, which is April 12th at 10 o'clock, right at the beginning of this service, a very brief meeting. Today we begin Holy Week, so in addition to the service today, There will be a Maundy Thursday service and a Good Friday service. This year, both of them are night services. The Friday one is usually noon, but this year it is at 7 p.m. So we'll be here two nights in a row this week. And also, each day this week, the the sanctuary will be open from 11.30 to 12.30, a time of quiet meditation, if you'd like to be able to take advantage of that. Next Sunday morning for Easter, we will have three services. None of them are at this time. So if you come at 10, you'll be right, actually you won't find a parking place if you come at 10. It's 8, 9, 30, and 11. The 8 o'clock is the least crowded, and if you come to the others, just allow time to find a place to park. Each of them will be an hour service, and we welcome you. You can find at each door a little brochure about our, our Holy Week services. If you'd like to invite some of your friends or your neighbors to come with you, you can pick these up and give them to your friends. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
1: Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you were sent by the Father into our world. And you came that Palm Sunday with tears in your eyes because the city did not know the day of its visitation from God, did not know the things that make for peace. Open our minds and our hearts so that we may know, so that we may welcome you, so that we may see and surrender our lives to your service. May you be glorified in all that we do and say and sing this morning in the name of Christ, amen.
2: King Jesus comes, King Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, Messiah. Recall the words of Scripture. A great crowd who had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying,
3: Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest.
2: In praise we adore you, King Jesus. Enter our hearts today as you entered Jerusalem long ago, and lead us by faith in the way everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. O
3: oh, sing a glad hosada, wave your bones and shout for joy. O oh, sing a glad hosada, your followers of the land. Sing a
1: glad
3: hosada, and shout for joy, sing a glad Hosanna, you followers of the Lamb. Sing a glad Hosanna, in your poems and shout for joy, sing a glad Hosanna, you followers of the Lamb. Sing a glad Hosanna, you followers of the Lamb. Spend me. Re- for your love hosanna hosanna Hosanna. amen church let us be seated as we continue in worship oh lord show us your ways we want to walk with you what a blessing to see you guys over there you encourage my heart this morning may he show you his ways that you might walk with him.
2: seek the grace and mercy of our great god and king here now our call to confession from romans chapter five for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly indeed rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. Please join me for our prayer of confession. Gracious God, having heard your word, we thankfully remember the life of our Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Yet we also acknowledge our failure to respond earnestly and faithfully to his witness. We often mistake mistake Jesus for a mere earthly king, friendly companion, or problem solver, failing to see see him as the ruler of all creation. We do not appreciate the depth of his passion and sacrifice on the cross, failing to acknowledge him as our way of salvation. Even Even in this Lenten season, we have not walked walked faithfully in the way of Jesus Christ. Forgive us, we pray, and bring us ever more fully into the joy of union with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us now take a minute for personal silent confession. god's love was revealed among us in this way god sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him and this is love not Not that that we we loved loved god but that he loved us and sent sent his son to be the the atoning sacrifice for our sins sins. beloved since god loved us so much we also ought to love one another no No one has has ever ever seen seen God. god If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. In Christ, we are forgiven, and through him, God abides with even us.
3: Praise God, from
2: whom all blessings flow. Amen. Well, as many of you know, we are going to be going on a mission trip to Molokai during spring break, just the Monday after Easter. So before I get started here, I'd like to invite our Molokai team up here to stand so you can see who's going on our trip. So I'll ask the students and leaders to come on up, fill this area up right here. So you'll be praying for me during the week, right? (laughs) Well, there'll be 43 of us going on this trip to Molokai. We have 10 leaders and we have 33 students. And on Monday morning, April 6th, we'll meet at the parking lot at 520 a.m. We'll take a flight from San Diego to Honolulu. We've got a layover, and then we'll fly from Honolulu to Molokai. And one of my favorite parts of this trip is when we get off the plane in Molokai, walk right there into the airplane area, and there's all these Molokai locals. are waiting for us and who embrace us, have their cars and vans ready to take us to our hotel to get us set. We couldn't do this trip without people like Junior and all these pastors who help us out. And so they have a number of work projects lined up for us through the week. Every night we'll be hearing from Tony Toth, our former middle school director, who will be our Bible teacher. And we're also going to have a great time as we, of course, go to the beach and do all kinds of things. But one of my Favorite parts as well as to watch these students and leaders grow in their faith, get them away from Laguna Beach, the surrounding communities for a while, get them to Molokai to learn to work, and to really consider the call that God has upon each of their lives. It's an intense week, and I really thoroughly enjoy it. You'll see here in your bulletin on one of these music pages, I have prayer requests that I'd like for you to lift up for us each and every day, starting April 6th, you can start even now to lift us up in prayer. Pastor Jerry's been on this trip a number of times, and I've asked if he would come up, say a few words, and pray for us. Tony Toth,
1: (laughs) alias Surfer Joe, infamous in Laguna Beach, you need our prayers. But uh, having been with you a few times, I know you're going to have a great time We will all be praying for you. We love you. You're members of our family. You represent Christ and this church. And I know that um, we'll be very proud of you. So God bless you. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for these young people, members of our family, members of our church here, those who love you and who have committed themselves to serving you this next week or the week after Easter in Molokai. We know that the needs are great there, and so we pray for this outreach mission. We ask for travelers' mercies for them. We pray that uh, each of them will be spoken to and blessed in a special way, and that they will bring the joy of service with them in their hearts and in their smiles back to their families, and back to this community and to their school. We thank you for each one of them and the families that they represent. May this be a really wonderful time of wholeness and joy for us all. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, guys. I wish I were going with you. <laughs> Reading our text this morning from Romans chapter 8. Begin reading in verse 28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called he also justified, and those whom he justified he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us. Will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us Who will separate us from the love of Christ? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, dear God, we are in awe of this text. It is the very pinnacle of the gospel of God. We ask this morning that your Holy Spirit that intercedes for us through the Son in the presence of the Father would bring illumination to your word and write its truth and reality deep within each of our hearts. We ask in your name, amen. Two stories to begin with. One of the famous stories of the gospel is the parable that Jesus told in Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son. I believe it is directly connected with what Paul is seeking to say in Romans 8. The story Jesus told of a father who had two sons and the younger son asked him to divide up the inheritance so he could have his and be on his way. In that culture, it was like wishing the father dead. The father could have responded with hostility and brought judgment upon the son, but he didn't. He gave the son his portion of the estate. And in a few days, the son took off to find himself in a far country far away from the father's household. And it was not until he had spent all he had taken with him that he came to himself and decided it might have been better back home with dad. So he turned around and he returned home in hopes of having a job on the father's farm. One of the most beautiful images of all the scriptures is in that vision of the son returning up the long driveway to the father's home And the father seeing him from a distance. And rather than waiting for the son to arrive at the front door, the father took off running. And he encountered his son. And the text says he threw his arms around his son. And heard the sons cry and expressions of sorrow for what he had done. But in that moment the father, rather than just giving him a job, totally embraced the Son and restored him to sonship, covered him with the finest family robe. Put a pair of sandals on him. Wiped the tears from his eyes as a loving dad. Killed the fatted calf and sent out the invitations to the whole community. This son of mine who was lost is now found. He was dead. But he's alive. The elder son, when he heard that the younger brother had returned home, was filled with rage. And he refused to come to the party to accept the father's invitation. he complained to the father, but the father went out to him also, and I think threw his arms around the elder son and totally embraced him with that graceful, compassionate love of a father for both sons who were lost, both sons who were dead, who needed to be found by the embracing grace of Almighty God. It's a family story. And Rembrandt's painting of it hangs in many churches. It hangs in my office as a reminder to me of every time I look at it that this is what pastoral ministry is really about. It's about demonstrating the love and the compassion of a father. For a broken people, for a needy people, for those, and it includes every last one of us who need affirmation, who need not just a good hug, as surely we do, but the total embrace of our Heavenly Father. Last week CNN ran a special on atheism. I hope you saw it. Kira Phillips was the interviewer of a series of, of atheists. She, she was a student at uh, my former college in Westmont College, Santa Barbara. At least part of her, her undergraduate work was done there. And in the process of presenting this subject of atheism, she interviewed a young man going to college and living with his parents, I think down in somewhere in the south. He'd been raised in this fundamentalist Christian home. His parents wanted nothing more than for him to grow up and to be a responsible Christian believer, to be a light in his community, only to discover that their son had become an atheist. And the leader of the atheist organization on the campus It was functioning as an evangelist to win others into atheism. He was living at home with his parents, but there were dividing walls of hostility between them. There was no embrace going on in that family. I wanted to weep as I listened to this The parents were interviewed also, but they would not be interviewed with the son. The father and mother sat there with the tears running down their face, and what they said about their son was this, he is dead to us. And he will go to hell. And I wanted to cry out, stop. Listen, see, open the door. Throw your arms around one another. Embrace one another with unconditional love and acceptance. And get over this need to control one another. Abandon your need to be oppositional. Come home. Be reconciled. Be embraced by a love of God that is transforming and can heal all of our relationships. And I thought to myself, this is is exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 8. In a series of rhetorical questions that have implied answers to them, Paul summarized the whole gospel of God. He spoke about everything that is in the gospels, everything that is in the parable of the prodigal son. It's all right there. Four major questions with these implied answers. And we could take four weeks to talk about each one of these, but I want to survey them this morning and come back next week. And Paul makes this great affirmation. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who has embraced the human condition and exposed himself to the vulnerability of loving is for us in every way. It is so difficult for us to believe this. That the creator of heaven and earth, against whom we have sinned, from whom we are alienated and separated could embrace us, could throw his arms around us and be totally for us in the brokenness of our lives, in the incompleteness of our lives, in the longings and the needs of our lives. Our Heavenly Father knows about us. Paul adds this statement. He did not spare the life of his only son, but gave him up for all of us so that we might be healed and saved. It's based on that story of the Old Testament, Genesis 22 with Abraham with long last in his old age had received the promised child Isaac. And Abraham had learned by this time to trust the word that had come to him <laughs> repeatedly, and one day he heard the word: "Bind Isaac and take him to the mountain, and there offer him up to me as a sacrifice." Who of us can explain such a story? Sounds like a form of divine child abuse. Abraham got to the mountain and he placed his son on the altar and he prepared to kill him. And the voice spoke again, No, don't do that now. I know you trust me. And Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in the thicket. In that moment he knew the Lord had provided. And God knew about Abraham that he understood that the promise did not rest upon the gift, Isaac, but only in the one who had given the gift, the Father. And Isaac lived to fulfill his destiny. But Abraham was spared the suffering of the loss of his own son, And Paul says what God did was what no human father would likely do except a deranged man. And that is he delivered up his son to die upon the cross as the proof of his amazing love that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us for you and for me. It ought to melt our hearts. (laughs) It ought to touch our lives deeply. To imagine that the creator of heaven and earth could be so totally embracing of our lives in our brokenness, in our strengths, in our weaknesses. The second rhetorical question, who will bring any charge against God's elect? Paul knew all about charges. He knew about courts. He had been before the courts of Rome and of his own people repeatedly, and he had heard charges pressed against him that oftentimes were simply lies in order to eliminate him. And we know about charges We live in this litigious culture, my apology to the lawyers, where we entertain ourselves by filing suit and making accusations, and whether it's true or not, and anyone, anyone could be charged. Every pastor I know lives in mortal fear of being charged of doing something In violation of an ordination vow. I've seen the moderator of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church running out of the assembly, weeping her eyes out, just having heard that she was being charged by someone for doing something. It was simply harassment. I suspect one of the fears that all of us have is that one day we will arrive before our Heavenly Father at the pearly gates and the books will be opened and the charges read. And we will be examined. And every one of us knows that if someone's making a list, it's not just Santa Claus and his elves making a list and checking it twice. Every one of us knows that there are charges that could be made, but what Paul is saying or asking, who will bring any charge against God's elect? No one, nobody. It's the same answer to each of the questions. Nobody. Because God is the justifier. Because of what God has done in Jesus, we've been acquitted already. The slate has been wiped clean. Our sins are forgiven. And we've been set free and transferred into the kingdom of our Lord. Who will bring any charges against us if the judge himself has declared us to be forgiven? If that ain't good news, I don't know what is. And then Paul asks, who is to condemn? And again, the answer is nobody. Why? Because the only one to condemn is Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus died for us. Jesus was raised for us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for us. totally embracing of us in the brokenness of our lives, totally embracing, no one to condemn. Where are your accusers, Jesus asked the woman caught in adultery. Well, no one, they've disappeared. Then neither do I condemn you. I came not to condemn but to save If God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. And who can file charges against us? Nobody. Who can condemn us? Nobody. Who can separate us from the love of God? Nobody. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is. And this is what we remember on this Palm Sunday at the beginning of this Holy Week. We are worshiping the God who has come to us to totally embrace us. Not to exclude us, but to embrace us as his children. It's so difficult to be like God, isn't it? I have some folks on my list that I had just as soon not embrace, And it would probably scare certain folks to death if I embrace them. And I bet, if you're honest, you have your own list. We live in a culture that is committed to the put down, to the charge, to the condemnation, to the joining of separate camps, to fighting and conflict and all of that. It's everywhere. It permeates our culture and our thinking, even the life of the church. But once again, the church needs to rediscover and to hear this glorious gospel of God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly that no one can file charges, that no one can condemn other than Jesus, but he died for us. He was raised. He sits at the right hand of the Father. God is totally for us. The challenge before the church in our day is to embody by the power of the Word and the Spirit the very mysterious grace of God that has the capacity, whether it's in the family, the neighborhood, the congregation, the presbytery, the nation, Washington, D.C., that has the power to run out and to throw our arms around those who desperately need to be embraced with the unconditional favor and grace of God. I read Facebook. I know the kinds of things that get posted on Facebook. It's an embarrassment. We read the headlines of the newspapers. We do not know how to be civil toward one another. And we need help. We need rescuing and it all begins with allowing ourselves to be held by God, to know that we're embraced, that he's got his arms around us. And whatever we may have said, are done, somehow he's able to understand and see our weaknesses and see us through the eyes of compassion and dust us off, and send us on our way to make a difference in the places where we live. Pray with me. Help us to truly believe who you are, oh God. You know all about the brokenness of the human condition. And if you were not who you are, we would be lost forever. But we have hope this day as we begin the journey up to Jerusalem with you. We have hope and we have faith and we have love. And in the incompleteness of our life and our loves, we make our confession before you and ask for healing. Put a new and right spirit within us. Take not your Holy Spirit from us. Transform us. Give to us the mind of Christ, we pray. In his name. Amen. Stand responsively from our brief statement of faith. In life and in death we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit. We trust in the one triune God, the Holy One of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. We trust in Jesus Christ, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition. Jesus was crucified suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world god God raises raises jesus from from the dead vindicating vindicating his sinless life life, breaking breaking the power power of of sin and evil evil, delivering us from from the death to to life eternal loving us still god makes us heirs with christ of the covenant Like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. Amen. You may be seated.
3: Just blow. Fiction, fountains old.
0: wondrous love with which you embrace us and our world. As we watch you come to bear the brokenness and sin of the world, we cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save our world, right what is wrong, feed and satisfy those who thirst for justice. Have mercy on the peoples and nations of our world. Have mercy on those we love whose names we speak aloud before you now. Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, our hearts are filled with gratitude for your selfless sacrifice. We bring you these gifts, so very thankful for your generosity to us. This week be at work by your Spirit to turn the eyes of our world to yourself. Move our hearts, change our lives, bring many to know your embrace. This week, we watch you give your very self. We watch you fight for the redemption of the world, for the day when this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And so we pray for the coming of that day, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven
3: to
1: go out into a troubled world today may we take with us the knowledge of salvation that god is for us that no one can make charges against us that no one can condemn that no one can separate us from the love of god And may that reality transform our life into agents of God's love in all of our relationships. May the peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon us all. Amen.